Hello, listeners of A Year Ago Today. I'm your host, Tyla Fowler, and this is Tuesday with Tyla. (laughs) I used to have a segment I was calling Monday Night Raw. However, after like three or four weeks in a row of not actually managing to produce that on a Monday, I've decided to release that title. And I don't know if Tuesday with Tyla is what's going to stick. However, that's what's currently present, so I'm going with it. Full disclosure, I've already tried to record this episode once today, (laughs) and I'm all proud of myself because I really, like, spent quite a bit of time feeling into what I wanted to share, and I made a lot of notes, and I have an outline, and then I got on earlier today, and I was going through it, and I think I got, like, 25 minutes into it, and then I was like, this doesn't feel good. It feels like I'm just, like, not totally tuned into what's present and I'm trying to follow this outline and it feels choppy and while it is authentic it's not it's not the most powerful expression of my experience so I turned it off and then I I don't know what I did after that maybe I took a bath or went for a walk or something because I did both of those things today and then what did I do? I listened to the episode that's coming out this week and I thought, wow, this is fucking phenomenal. It's one of the best interviews I've ever conducted, I feel like, and one of the best podcast episodes I've ever heard. I mean, I might be totally biased because listening to it today, I received so much powerful affirmation from it in terms of what it means to be in relationship and how we can be in integrity with who we are while also respecting the sovereignty of the person that we're with and all of those themes are super super present for me right now given what's going on in my personal life so i'm here to talk to you tonight about my fear of visibility and it is my intention to share around all of this in a way that is deeply of service and that is deeply respectful to absolutely every actor involved. It's a particular challenge to talk about charged situations because regardless of how deeply in integrity I am with my expression, I have absolutely no control over what the people listening to this will choose to hear. It's very true that often our hearing is distorted by our beliefs and our preconceived notions of what the person across from us is going to say. So what I mean to say is if we already believe someone is our enemy, most often we will perceive what they are saying as being Mm. aggressive when it is not and as I'm saying that I realize like I've I've fallen prey to that this week I have fallen prey to perceiving aggression where perhaps there is none and that is a result of my past trauma and while I can While I can totally own the fact that my perception is totally colored by my past trauma, I can also totally own my experience and say that I feel an integrity with the way I've handled myself. So 
<laughs> is that cryptic? I'm not even sure. I'm going to talk now about fear of visibility and what that means for me in my life right now. The first thing that that means is that I did not record a Monday Night Raw podcast or a Tuesday with Tyla podcast last week. I was moving through some really big energy. I have recently made a commitment that I will no longer be offering support without receiving appropriate compensation for my time and energy, which is a big deal for me because over the past year I have given away so many hours of my time in free coaching. So I made this commitment that I'm not going to overextend myself anymore, that I will allow myself to be compensated for the incredible value that I offer. And as soon as I made that commitment to myself, I started receiving all of these requests for support. And some of them felt good in the way that they were coming in and some of them felt not so good. And regardless, it was taking so much energy for me to move through each of those situations and say, you know, sure, I'd be happy to support you. Here's what that would look like in order for me to also be supported. Um, So I was moving through a lot of that last week and I was also I realize moving through this fear of visibility because I realize now that I've made this commitment to deeper integrity in terms of how I allow myself to be compensated for the value that I add, I'm also committing to deeper integrity in the way I show up in the world. It's like if I want to be compensated for the value that I provide, then I need to commit to being all of who I am at all times because all of who I am is the value that I provide always. You know, I may be doing a service for someone if I'm coaching them or if I am activating something they've written, I do sacred text activation, or if I am supporting someone in strengthening a container. I'm right now about to start working with someone who is a Tai Chi teacher and I'm going to be supporting him in Um, making sure his teaching transmissions are as powerful and effective as possible. You know, so I really need to be emboldened to be who I am in the world so that I can really provide value inside each of my interactions. Mm -hmm. So I've known that I'm being called to step into this increased visibility in my life. And as I've sat with that, I have allowed myself to become increasingly present to the fears that have kept me from doing that thus far. There is a concept, which you may or may not be familiar with, called the upper limit. And this is from the book The Big Leap, and I believe the author's last name is Hendricks. I think his name is Gay Hendricks, though it's possible I'm incorrect. I trust that you can Google the big leap and find it if you feel intrigued. Um, in this in this book, the author talks about upper limiting ourselves, and essentially, as I understand it, the upper limit is like as soon as we start to expand and grow past what's comfortable for us and for our ego, so the space that we've previously inhabited in our lives, when we start to grow past that point and become you know, bigger, bolder, more powerful, more successful, oftentimes we will 
subconsciously manifest something that knocks us back down to the level at which we're comfortable. It's like this subconscious like protective mechanism that can kick in that can kind of derail you sometimes if you aren't aware that that might be something that you're experiencing. So this podcast is a really, really huge risk for me in terms of being open and being vulnerable about who I am and what I believe and what I've been through and learning how to own my experience while also respecting the experiences of the other people that I'm in relationship with. And part of the reason I allowed myself to not record an episode last week is because I was so present to this fear of visibility and I was like I don't want to show up in this space of fear I need to kind of process these emotions and clear them and ground them and integrate so that I can show up in a place where I feel you know cool calm collected and confident and I don't necessarily know that I feel (laughs) I feel pretty cool calm and collected right now I guess if I'm honest it's been a challenging day but I'm here now anyway This fear has been present for me. And so, I've really been opening up to receiving more insight around that, around why that is, and around past experiences in my life when this same fear has come up and I've not necessarily navigated it successfully in terms of staying on track with becoming more visible. In that regard, there are a couple of things that come up right away. I used to have a food blog, and it was called Learning to Live Without a Microwave. And I loved it. I really, it was kind of like my baby, and I started it because I wanted to be a food writer, and there weren't a lot of jobs available when I graduated because it was during the recession. And... So when I talked to someone who was working in the food writing profession, what she said to me was, you might want to consider starting a blog. You know, like, if you do, that's the way that you can practice and that you can maybe build an audience. And that, like, a lot of people, I guess, make the leap from blog writing to more professional writing. So I did that. And it was going pretty well. And I actually got to a point where I started to receive some recognition for it. I had a pretty solid audience considering I didn't really promote it anywhere but my Facebook page and there were people who were reading it that I didn't even know, you know, people in different parts of the world who would reach out to me and be like, oh, if you know you ever come to Australia and you need a place to stay, you can stay with me. So I was really starting to kind of like attract a tribe. And an unfortunate thing happened wherein I began working for Well, it's fortunate that I began working for Gabrielle Hamilton. She's an incredible woman, incredible businesswoman, chef, writer. What was unfortunate about it is that (laughs) I knew what an incredible writer she is. And also I knew that, or she had expressed to me at one point, that she had some pretty big disdain for the whole field of blogging. And so pretty soon after I started writing for her, I stopped blogging. Even though I had recently been listed on Saver Magazine's like roundup of a hundred food blogs you should be reading. And I think I might talk about this in a later episode too, so I hope you'll forgive me if, if ever things feel redundant. <laughs> uh, 
I'm so open in, in most of my life, most of the time, that it sometimes be can, be, can become challenging to know what I've said to who. And I fear that I'm repeating myself and that people are tiring of me. <laughs> How's that for real? Anyway, I had started to achieve some success and then I began working for this woman who I really admired and I think on a really deep level I feared that she would read what I what I had to say and that she would judge me and I didn't want that so I just stopped writing and I think at one point she asked me later on we worked together for four years so at we had a pretty intimate relationship and at one point I think she asked me if the reason that I had stopped writing had anything to do with her and I definitely straight up lied. I definitely was like, no, no way. <laughs> no, no way at all. Um, so that's on me for not being honest because it might have served our relationship had I said, actually, yes. Um, you know, had I been honest, I might have received some support from her that would have enriched my life in, in a way I was really longing for. You know, that's the thing about our desires, we have to express them in order to be supported inside them. So that's one instance of when I was stepping into greater vulnerability in my life and I really upper limited myself. Another instance of this, this feels vulnerable and I've already talked about it in recordings that are going to come out later this week. So I'm just going to take a deep breath and get over it. In this week's episode, I'm going to talk about a time last year when Matt and I almost broke up. And then I'm going to talk about it even more in the thing that's coming in on Saturday when my sound engineer, Alex, and I discuss what this episode activated for us. And I'll try not to go too much into story here because you're going to be hearing it all week if you listen. I think the context that is required in order to understand my point is that about 11 months ago, Matt and I almost broke up and there were many, many, many factors at play. One of them was that he felt that my social media presence was making his friends and family uncomfortable. And at that point, I was posting a lot more about God and abundance and spirituality than I ever had before. And to my knowledge, that's what he was referring to. So in effect, I was kind of being, um, I was being, I felt like I was being punished for speaking boldly about what I believe in. And When Matt and I decided at the end of many conversations during the course of like a week and a half, (laughs) not to ultimately part ways at that point, one of the things that I said to him is that I, the only condition under which I'm willing to move forward is that I will not be making myself smaller to make you comfortable or to make the people that know you comfortable. And he agreed to that. However, (laughs) last week when I was having trouble coming to the Monday night recording and then again coming to it on Tuesday, what I began to realize is that 
since that experience, I really have been minimizing my expression. I have been very inward and very quiet, and I don't necessarily believe that that's a bad thing. I think that really what I've been doing is learning how to resource myself enough so that I can now come out into greater visibility and I have the resourcing that I need to deal with others' response to my expression. <laughs> so this fear was already active and present for me. And then I went to brunch over the weekend with a friend and had an experience that to me, I was like, oh, this is just such a clear illustration of what it feels like to be a woman in our society. And I'm going to share this on Facebook. And I shared that I had been sitting, you know, in a restaurant at this brunch and that while my chair and another person's chair, we were back to back and we were both kind of like equally blocking the aisle and it was a man sitting in the other chair. Over the course of the brunch, I was asked to move like three times so that men could walk through the aisle. None of those men asked the man behind me to scoot in. And you know, I, <laughs> I was present enough that I turned around and looked to see and I was like, yeah, he's, he's far enough back from his table that him scooting in would support us all in accommodating <laughs> all of us, you know? And I was really frustrated by this experience, so I chose to share about it online. And as has often happened in the past, when I've chosen to spoke clearly and directly about my experience and my beliefs, I activated some energy for the people who are watching for the people who are reading what I have to write, what I have to say. And it's no surprise to me at all, given that I was feeling this fear starting to show up last week that um, one of these activating experiences has taken place with someone very close to Matt. And it's been really challenging. <laughs> It's also been incredibly affirming because it's clear to me now that I'm capable of setting boundaries around how I am and am not available to communicate and how I am and am not available to be treated. And while it feels incredibly challenging and scary to have to assert myself in that way in the world in order to have the privilege of speaking clearly about my experience, I'm doing it. I had a real plan to talk about where the fear of visibility comes from 
and how the suppression of female expression is really powerfully tied to the suppression of female sexuality and how my very first experiences of understanding that maybe it's not safe to be seen had to do with an experience of sexual aggression. So I'm gonna take a breath now and see if it feels aligned to share that or if I feel that I have transmitted enough for this moment. So give me just a second. Okay, it does feel appropriate. I am going to continue sharing. So part of the fear of visibility I think I can speak for a lot of women. I wouldn't want to assume that I can speak for all women. I think I can probably also speak for the experience of some people who don't identify as women because I know this is not isolated to women. However, that's the experience that I do feel most comfortable speaking to. So I don't mean to be exclusive in any way. If you resonate with what I'm saying, I want you to know that (laughs) I love you and that I'm here. If you want to tell me about it, you can email me at a year ago podcast at gmail.com and I'd be happy to receive the expression of your experience as long as it's respectful. And now I'm going to share a little bit more about my own. So I think that most people feel a fear of visibility. I read a, no, I didn't read. I heard on a TV show, I think it was John Oliver, that there was recently a survey where they discovered that, like, most Americans' biggest fear is public speaking. And when I feel into the reason that that might be the case, I'm like, well, that feels clear. It's because we're all highly traumatized. We're all walking around kind of shell-shocked because everything's so highly charged these days. And there's a lot there's a lot of fear that's very active in the world right now and so it becomes challenging to communicate clearly with one another and most of us have had experiences wherein we showed up fully as all of who we are and that powerful presence elicited a strong reaction from someone near us that we were unprepared to handle and it was traumatic so I think for most people this is something that happens in childhood and that initial experience of being afraid to be seen because you're suddenly aware of your own vulnerability, you're suddenly aware that you are not safe in your full expression is when most of us start like hiding ourselves away piece by piece. So the experience for me that was kind of the um, the catalyst I think for me slowly beginning to hide myself a little bit at a time is an experience that I had, I think, like somewhere between the ages of seven and nine, the timeline doesn't feel totally clear. I am clear that I was incredibly young (laughs) and that I was an incredibly, like, precocious, self-possessed, confident child. And I really thought I was hot shit. (laughs) And, you know, not everybody loved that about me, but I was fine with it because I didn't know any better yet. Anyway, I had an adult male relative who really was enamored with me and spent a lot of time with me and gave me a lot of extra attention, and I always really, really loved that. 
and felt very close to him, trusted him very much, felt, I felt so precious to him. And that was such an incredible feeling, I think largely because my own father um, was somewhat emotionally absent at times because he was dealing with depression and a whole bunch of other things. <laughs> he was dealing with being an adult in the world. <laughs> um, he was dealing with having grown up in a deeply religious household that really ingrained in him this fear of fire and brimstone that was really not supportive to his evolution. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. Needless to say, this man was super important to me. And one afternoon we were in my bedroom and my parents and his wife were in the living room just down the hall watching television and I don't remember if the door to my bedroom was open or shut. What I do know is that he was taking photos of me, we were playing a photo shoot and I was acting like a model and to me this wasn't anything out of the ordinary. Describing it now I'm like okay maybe like a seven to eight nine year old girl doing like model poses in front of an adult man is super provocative but this person was someone that I trusted and that my parents trusted and I had been alone with him many many times <sighs> so we're taking pictures and I'm sure that I'm making what my dance teacher called um oh what did she call them I don't know, to me they were like sexy eyes. They were jazz walk eyes. We would do jazz walks across the floor and we had been taught, you know, to like lower our chin and, and look upward a little, you know, it, which is, you know, teaching young girls to be sexy. It felt super empowering to me at the time until I used it in this context with this man and he chose to act upon the fact that I had turned him on. He whipped out his cock and began masturbating in front of me. And if you're shocked by the language I've chosen around that, I want to be clear that I've chosen it intentionally to shock you <laughs> because I was shocked. Um, he masturbated in front of me for a couple of minutes. Actually, I have no idea how long it was. It felt like an eternity. It could have been five seconds, but does it really matter? I don't think so. Then he left the room and when he came back, he gave me $200 and he told me not to tell anybody what had happened because it would tear our family apart and he would go to jail. Mind you, this man up until this moment has been like my favorite adult in the world. So <laughs> I'm terribly confused. I'm not clear on what's just happened. I'm pretty sure I caused it, but I don't really understand how. And then I clam up about it for years. You know, my mom asked me a couple of times if something had gone on that I wanted to tell her about. However, at that point, I had taken on the burden of responsibility for keeping my family together by keeping this secret. And so I was just not talking about it. It wasn't until a couple of years later when I was being asked to pose for a photo with this man by my dad, who was a photographer. And my dad wanted this man to put his arm around me. And I was really resisting that. I was really like, ugh, <laughs> I didn't want him to touch me. And my dad later was chastising me for being rude. And so I finally told him, I was like, you wanna know what? 
here's why I didn't want him to touch me and I didn't tell you for so long because I don't know what reason I gave. And, <laughs> you know, I didn't realize at that time that my dad had history there, that one of my two half-sisters when she was young had claimed that an adult man that her parents trusted had abused her and that my dad and her mother had not believed her and later it turned out to be true. So it was already charged for my father when I brought it up, which of course as a child, I couldn't know. And regardless, it shouldn't matter. You know, I should have been safe to tell my parents what had happened from the moment that it happened. Um, anyway, I told him and it really did do damage to the family. Uh, for a long time, we didn't talk to those family members, which was particularly sad for my father. And he was able to do some repair work inside those relationships before his death, which I'm grateful for. One thing I remember is that when confronted about this, the man in question blamed me for what had happened. He told my parents that I had said to him that if he didn't show me what jerking off was, that I would tell my parents that he had done it in front of me. And I still can't quite wrap my head around how that makes sense. <laughs> uh, other than women being blamed for men's aggression is pretty much the oldest thing on earth. So, that's where my fear of visibility really began. I've done a lot of unpacking around this experience, around what it has meant to me and how it has impacted me, and I'm just gonna share a couple of those things quickly. First things first, it totally removed me from the seat of my natural and authentic power. Um, I was embodying, I'm reading from my notes now, so I hope you'll forgive if it sounds that way. I was embodying something that I had seen in the world and had deeply resonated with, this sense of like female sexiness and power and juiciness, this creative energy. I was playing with the embodiment of something that I had seen. I was posturing as a way of exploring my sexuality. <sighs> and this man across from me sexualized me without my consent. I was too young to even give consent, you know? So I really learned a powerful, well, I internalized a powerful understanding that day. And that is that me being in full embodiment around my sexual power makes me unsafe because it causes men to aggress toward me regardless of whether or not it's appropriate for them to do so this has affected me in every romantic relationship i've ever had i have for so long been so inhibited in my sexual expression and felt the need to hide myself even inside intimate relationship for fear of attracting unwanted attention. I mean, so much so that like, I don't do this anymore, but for the first couple years of my relationship with Matt, sometimes he would be walking down the hall to our bedroom when I would be putting 
like changing clothes or putting on clothes after a shower. And I would hurry to get dressed so that he wouldn't see me naked because I was afraid that if he saw me naked, he would want something from me that I didn't want to give in that moment. And so that's not at all about me not wanting to have sex with my super hunky boyfriend. It's about this deeply ingrained fear that my body is powerful enough that it causes men to lose control and that I have no say in how I'm treated after that. (laughs) So yeah, needless to say, this has affected me in every sexual relationship I've ever had. It's also made me fearful to engage honestly and openly with men with whom I don't want to have a sexual relationship. You know, if you've been listening this season, um, around the episode with Adam, oh, I feel vulnerable saying this out loud. (laughs) Adam and I have an incredibly intimate, supercharged connection, and I've been clear with him that I don't feel open to anything more than that and he has been so super respectful around that topic with me however it is something that we've you know actively discussed and that I've had to be clear around my boundaries and that I've expressed to him I feel wary of engaging with you sometimes because when I'm trusting my instincts and in how I communicate I still have a little bit of fear sometimes that I'm going to provoke attention that I don't want and that I didn't ask for, you know, and that's just one example of how this thing that happened to me when I was very young continues to affect the interactions that I have with pretty much every man in my life. And so... I'm like, in conclusion, (laughs) in conclusion, the things that I'm growing through right now in my personal life, the way I'm claiming my voice and claiming my experience and refusing to be bullied and refusing to tolerate aggression, whether or not aggression was intended, it's part of me reclaiming something that was taken from me at a very young age. And I do not intend to apologize for it. To be clear, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm thrilled around the way things are unfolding right now. What it does mean is that I trust in the higher power that is guiding this unfolding that is my life. And I am beginning to see how all of these things are incredibly, incredibly intimately connected and I am trusting that as I heal around this fear of visibility and step more and more and more into my voice and my expression and my power I am attracting my tribe I am attracting the people who resonate with my voice and the people who will be most powerfully served by my presence I'm also clear that this includes people who are activated uncomfortably by what I have to say. I am beginning to take full ownership for who I am in this world. And that is something that feels big and scary 
And so I want to thank you so much for being here to witness me inside this experience. And I want to tell you that <laughs> words of affirmation and gifts are my love languages. And so if you feel inclined to offer either, I am really open to receiving your support. If you want to send me words of affirmation, you can send an email to a year ago podcast at gmail.com and share with me some of your experience around receiving this transmission. And if you feel inclined to give a gift in support of me and the work that I do in the world, I have a page on Patreon for the podcast where you can go and offer recurring financial support that will let me know that you believe in me and that you believe in my voice and that you believe in what I'm doing and that you want me to have the resources that I need at my disposal to keep moving forward with this project. That is my life. I'm like, this project, what is that? The podcast? No, it's everything. This project that is my life, this commitment that I've made to fierce integrity and powerful presence. I guess that's all there is to say right now. (laughs) Let me see if there's anything else in my notes. In my journal from this morning, I have, so where am I today? Here, stepping into the light, refusing to make myself smaller to avoid making people I care about uncomfortable. I think of all the things I've written and been too afraid to share, all the times bigoted language has been tossed about when I've been in the room but afraid to speak up, all the times I've been too fearful to set the boundaries I need to feel safe, even inside my sexual relationship with a committed partner, I have been afraid to set the boundaries that will support me in feeling safe. How inhibited I've been around my expression, sexually and otherwise. How fearful I've been about how the person across from me will react. And then I wrote here, the stress response and activation of past trauma is very real. So we have to cultivate self-awareness to a level that we can identify when we've been activated, when our past trauma has been activated by a present experience that we're having so that we can accurately make the discernment between standing boldly in our truth and being provocative for the sake of being provocative, which is not something that I'm interested in. I'm only being interested in, I'm only, I'm only interested in being, (laughs) I'm only interested in being provocative when it's in service of the truth and when it's in service of the evolution of my evolution and the evolution of the planet and of the collective consciousness. So if you feel provoked, (laughs) oh, I'll give you a little hope. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And I'll trust that it will serve the unfolding. Okay. So, blessings, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Thank you for being here. And if you've chosen to be offended by something that I've said tonight, I'm really sorry. I hope that you can choose differently sometime soon. All right. 
Much love. Bye.